Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. Amen. I can't help but praise the Lord. And I want to thank you men and ladies for that song because that's really where I am today. I just want to praise Him for all He's done. And I'll tell you, if we don't learn to praise Him, we're going to live below the life that God wants us to live. Uh, A life that uh, misses the uh, true victories that we have, the faith life. The faith life is a wonderful life. Oh, it's filled with challenges. By sight, that's how we're oriented. And, And sometimes we obviously want to see it. We want to know what we're doing or getting into, as it were. But yet, by faith, we trust the Lord and press on. I'm thankful that God has been faithful to me and faithful to my family. God has just been uh, so merciful through the years. I read a few things recently. I thought, hey, this is not a time to mourn. This is a time to rejoice. I made it this far, right? And uh, be grateful for the goodness of God and his faithfulness through the years. Someone said it this way. When I was young, I was very poor. Now, after many years of hard work and struggle, I'm no longer young. And I thought, boy, that's true. Isn't that right? And uh, then another wrote this. Please don't ride with me if you're going to grab the dash and scream every time we run off the road. It makes me nervous. And uh, so I thought, well, that's pretty good. And then another said, you drop something when you were younger and you just pick it up, right? Well, when you're older, you drop something. You stare at it for a bit, contemplating if you actually need it anymore. Whether or not it's worth bending over to pick it back up. And then I saw this billboard the other day and I thought, man, I love this. And it said, welcome to the old life. And uh, it had the word old marked out and it said, welcome to the bold life. I thought, yes, that's it. That's where I'm at and I'm excited about it. I read last year that the New England Journal of Medicine said... Through their studies, the most fruitful decade in someone's life is between 60 and 70. I thought, wow, I've just begun. We're just now getting started. Brother Byron Fox and I were talking about that recently. It's like, man, let's go for it. We're right here knocking on the door. I've just stepped in the door today. And I want to lay hold of what God has. They said the second most productive decade is between 70 and 80. Think about that. And uh, you've learned a lot, right? See, some of us, we think we, we've already lived. Our life is kind of fading now, and, and uh, it's kind of all past. Oh, no, you have so much more you can bring to the table. Wisdom, insight, understanding, counsel, all oh, the things that many of us have had to learn the hard way. I not only graduated from the School of Hard Knocks, but I've got multiple degrees from that school at every level, and so many of you have as well, right? But we've had to live it in order to learn it. And now God wants us to give it to others. He wants us to live it and give it. What are the lessons that you have learned and are learning? What is God doing in your life? What is God teaching you at every stage of your life? Wherever you are, whatever you're facing, some of us 
at one time had a heart burning fervently for the Lord, and that's cool. And, and I can understand that. I've been in this race for a long time, and, and I understand the challenges that uh, we face along the way, and sometimes our faith is just raw. God understands that. He would love to fan that flame of faith that we do have and cause our hearts to burn brightly again for his glory. He would love to do that today if we'd let him. I think about those who really are at a place to, am I going to serve God or not? I'll never forget when God saved me and called me to preach and truly changed my life. My brother Terry was kind of struggling. He was still in high school. I was off in Bible college. And I came home from work late one night and he came in about the same time I did, just shortly after me. And I said, hey, where have you been? Oh, I've just been uh, hanging out with the guys. And I was so burdened for him. I remember looking at my brother and, and just saying sincerely, Terry, when are you going to get serious about serving God with your life? He just turned his head and walked away, went to his bedroom and closed the door. I thought, Lord, help him. You know what? God did help him. He told me later on, he said, when you asked me that question, it cut me to the core. He said, I got under such conviction from the Lord. He said, I went in my bedroom and cried. He said, I knew I wasn't right with God, and I thought, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with my future? I'm so thankful today that he's pastoring a church up there in the community where we both are from. But God has been faithful and God has been good. I think about what Christ knew about his life and I want us just to look at that briefly this morning. If you'll take your Bibles and turn with me in God's word to the book of John, John chapter 18. I want to ask you this, I want to ask you this question. When are you going to get serious about serving God with your life? When are you going to get serious? You come to John chapter 18 and Jesus is being brought before Pontius Pilate, the fifth governor of the Roman province of Judea, serving under the emperor Tiberius. He would preside over this trial of Jesus and ultimately order his crucifixion. And as Jesus appears before him, I think it's interesting if you would study the text and, and see the people, they just basically came before Pilate. It's like, hey, I want you to help us take care of this man. And, and he's like, well, what has he done? And they thought in verse 30, if he were not a malefactor or an evildoer is the word, we would not have delivered them up to thee. He's just an evil man. I mean, he's declared himself to be our king. Why don't you deal with it? I thought it interesting, as one writer said, Pilate, unaware that the Jews wanted to kill Christ, tells them to judge the case and pass sentence according to your law. The Jews could not legally execute anyone. They wanted Pilate to pass the death sentence on Christ in that context of their day. The Jews used the method of stoning to execute criminals. If Pilate were to authorize death, it would mean crucifixion. This was the Roman method of execution that had been predicted 
by Christ himself. Now, they had to get the authority from the ruling governor, Pilate, in their day. Now, if they were to carry out an execution, they would have to stone him. But they're like, no, we don't want to do that. We want you to take care of this, which meant he would be crucified. I'm telling you, God is in the details of your life and mine. All the reasons that things don't work out one way, but work out another. God is still God and in control. God knows what he's doing in each of our lives. Sometimes the twists and the turns, they can be amazing, can they not? Oh, we wonder where the Lord is and what he's doing. But then Pilate, the Bible says in verse number 33, entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it of, of, thee, of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew, thine own nation, and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me? What hast thou done? I'm just trying to figure this thing out. What are you guilty of? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one of the Passover Will you therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber, a true malefactor, an evildoer. And they chose his release over Christ. The pride, the self-righteousness wailing up within these Pharisees of Jesus' day. We're done with him. We'll not have him rule over us was their mantra. They would not have him reign in authority over them in any way. They were so filled with violence and hatred in their heart, they wanted him dead. I'm telling you, the world can be violent, vile, and vicious. God is still God. And oftentimes, what they mean for evil, God means for good. They think that they are ultimately in control. We will have the final say with this man. Oh, no. If you are of God, your father will have the final say. Now, I want you to think about this. It's amazing. I want you to write three things down here this morning. Number one, Jesus knew why he was here. To this end was I born. For this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. He knew why he was here, and I ask you that question today. Do you know why you're here? Do you know what your purpose is in life? The reason that I'm doing what I'm doing today is because I'm convinced this is what purpose God has for my life. He wanted me to serve him in ministry. Where? I didn't know. I just knew that God wanted me 
to bear witness of the truth and to tell others of this great light of the gospel. All of that led me and my family to this church years ago. I think about how that has challenged me, that has steadied me, that has picked me back up through the years. I'm doing what God wants me to do with my life. Can you say that in your heart? I'm doing what God wants me to do with my life. If you can't, God wants you to be able to say that. God loves you. God does have a purpose for your life. So many people are living aimless lives without direction, without purpose, and so they just live for the moment, eat, drink, and be merry. Try to get as much as I can out of each day, but all the while digging the hole of despair and discouragement and depression deeper and deeper and deeper. Jesus knew why he was here. Number two, Jesus knew there was a timing to all things. Jesus knew there was a timing to all things. His father had a time. Jesus spoke these words, my time is not yet come. In the past, when you look at the context of what we're dealing with right now, Jesus was telling his disciples how he would die and what would happen. But there was a timing to that and and they wondered when it was and, and there was a time when Jesus said, not now, this is not the time. But then there was a time when he said, my time has come. Jesus knew there was a timing to all things. That is what so many times challenges us in a good way and sometimes challenges us in a frustrating way. (laughs) But where are you, Lord? What are you doing? Why are you allowing this? When is this going to happen? I've prayed and prayed and prayed and and I just don't know if it's ever going to happen. I was reminded of my life's verse this morning and let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season, in due season. In the Lord's timing, we shall reap if we faint not. God will bless faith and faithfulness. God will bless those who hold to his promise in season and out of season. God will bless those, though they stumble, they get back up. Though they err, they make it right. And they humble themselves before God and they go at it all over again. Aren't you glad that there's a God in heaven who allows fresh starts and new beginnings? He's a God not only of the second chance, but the third and the fourth and the fifth and on and on and on. If he wants us to forgive seven times 70, just know that he's more than ready and prepared to do the same for us. This is the great God of all comfort, of all grace whose grace is greater than our sin. And I thank him for it. But there is a timing to all things. Pilate was saying to him, now, are you trying to kind of take over here? What are you doing? Is your kingdom a political kingdom? Jesus saying, no, no, mine is a spiritual kingdom. The, The terms of my kingdom are not the terms of yours. Yours is by force. If mine was by force, then we would fight you and your men. We'd try to take over. But I'm not here to take over politically. 
I'm not trying to exercise force. That which characterizes my kingdom is love. Can you imagine? There's a lot of powerful things in this world, but there's no greater power than the power of love. That's what Jesus wants us to know. Love conquers all. Love will prevail. Many waters, many waters cannot quench love. There is nothing nor anyone in this life or in the life to come that will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love that God has for us. Oh, as we get a hold of that, that gets a hold of us. It changes our lives, our outlook, our understanding. We take heart, we take courage because uh, we live in a cold-hearted world and sometimes we live our lives looking for someone to accept, to affirm, to love us. And we may experience that at some human level along the way and thank God. But if we do or not, we have a God who loves us unconditionally, without fail. I was thinking about the prodigal son. You remember some of us, if we look at that story, he said, Father, give me my inheritance. I'm ready to go do my own thing. It's my life. I'm going to do what I want to do. And he did. And when he spent all his money and all his friends forsook him because they didn't have any more money to share with them or spend on them, there he was feeding himself in the hog pen. Now some of us look at that and think, well, he didn't have any money. He was tired of the hog pen and all of this kind of stuff. He wanted a place to live, some food to eat, and he thought, well, I'll just go back home. But I think if we study that at another level, he said, I will arise and go back to my father. There, I will find what my heart longs for most. Un. Conditional love and acceptance. That's wonderful to me. I just need to, I need to get back home. I need to see my daddy. Because I know if I get back home, I'll be received. I get back home, I'll be loved. Now, you know, I'm just, I, I'm kind of anxious about it, kind of nervous about it. I'll just tell him, hey, I know I don't deserve anything. If you just kind of give me the servant's quarters and, and, and just let me stay out there, whatever you do, I'll be grateful for it. I believe when God truly humbles us, that's a place where we get. Of all the things I'd really like to have and some things that I had and then it slipped through my fingers or somehow it's uh, easy come, easy go, or sometimes hard to come and easy to go, right? All these different things of life. You get to a place to where it's like, Lord, I just need you. I need peace in my heart. People are there, they're not. People are faithful, they're not. People are loyal, they're not. But the Lord is faithful still. Aren't you grateful for that today? There's a God in heaven who's good. He's merciful to us. And oh, if we could just get back to the Father... I think that's what would change many of our lives today. Some of us, we've drifted. 
We just need to get back to the Father, the one that we met when we trusted Christ, who changed our lives, that gave us peace, that forgave our sin, that gave us a new beginning, a new outlook on life. Oh, how we love the Lord in those days. Don't you just want to love him again? You haven't left your first love. You can't leave the one who said, I will never leave you. But sometimes we lose it along the way. It just kind of cools, right? I don't know where you're at today and what God is trying to speak to you about. But Jesus knew why he was here. He knew there was a timing of all things. And then lastly, number three, Jesus knew that to die was to live. We want to live, but we don't start with living. We have to start with dying. Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's what God wants us to see and God wants us to know and understand. That the very pathway to true living is through death, the death of Jesus Christ who died, was buried, and rose again. Death to self, not my will, Lord, but thine be done. Some of us, we want that abundant life, that victorious life, but it only comes when we die. We yield, we surrender to the Lord. Lord, I want what you want for my life. I want what you want for my future. Lord, I'm willing to yield it all up to you and trust you with my life. Oh, that corn of wheat that falls in the ground and it dies. It brings forth then much fruit. And some of us today, that's kind of where we're at and we don't understand it. We're in the dying process, the emptying process. God is emptying us of ourselves our will and what we want and what we think is best. And God is trying to wean us from that and empty us of that and bring us to the end of ourselves and our sin and that point of death, a point of surrender. True, full surrender to God is the point of true living, true victory. Oh, you're not ready to really live in this life like so many want to until you're ready to die and meet God in the life to come. Someone said, don't worry about dying. You're going to live forever, in fact, somewhere. The only and the main issue is location, location, location. Where are you going to live forever? Your ever-living, never-dying soul, that's who you are. Now get this. Jesus said, to this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. This is who I am. This is why I'm here. I'm here to do the Father's will in his time. And I did pray, let this cup pass for me if it's any other way. And the Father said, no. Nevertheless, thy will be done. And you know what? Through Je Jesus' death, we all are made alive today. Isn't that amazing? There are some people going to keep their lives and they're going to miss the life, as it were, that they could have had in Christ and they could have, others could have had through their witness for Christ. 
they, they are missing so much of life for themselves and others. If you keep your life, you'll lose it, Jesus said. But if you will give your life, if you will surrender your life, if you'll pick up your cross and follow him, if you will lose your life, you will gain it. You'll get it back. Blessed many times over. Why wouldn't we die to self today and say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Be careful. Don't give into this temptation and say, but I've tried to do that. And then I got frustrated or something turned around or something came into my life that I didn't anticipate or I didn't really want and, and I would have never even chosen for myself. Oh, friend, deal with it in faith. Surrender yet to the Lord. Oh, God, not my will, but thine be done. Don't harden your heart. Humble your heart. Oh, let God touch you. The one who was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. The one who tasted death for every man. You know, there's some things that God's going to call you to taste. He's going to touch you with so you can have a heart for others and so you can understand more fully and appreciate what they're tasting through the sorrows of life. He not only was touched, he not only tasted death for us, but he trusted in him who is the righteous judge. Father, my life is in your hands. I'm going to trust you in all things. I go to the fountain at the house, got a little pond there. I call it Goldmine Springs. I like names, all right? That's the latest name, okay? The name before that was the uh, Ponda Crusa. You know, I'm just trying to come up with all kinds of names. I have a little light on this little fountain. It went out a while back. I was actually out of town and pulled up uh, a camera, and then all of a sudden, I mean, it was late when I got back to the room, and there the light just kind of, and it went out. And I thought, wow, what are the odds of that? When I'm looking at it, late at night, it just goes out. And it's been out ever since. I was up early this past Tuesday morning and there I was out there seeing the stars, the Big Dipper and everything. It was so beautiful. And then I looked down and I thought, what is that? The light on the fountain was actually shining again. I thought, man, now that's the neatest thing. Praise the Lord. I don't have to go out and buy bulbs is what I was thinking. I don't have to bring it in and replace all that. But then I thought about it. It drew me to it to look a little closer, and it lit up the night. And I was so thrilled to see that light shining again. And I thought about it in that moment. Lord, wouldn't it be wonderful for us who have shined for you before to shine again? What thrill would that be not only for us but for others? Would it not draw them closer to you perhaps and even to us? What a difference could be made in the night of trouble and trial in this world bent on open rebellion against God. A little light goes a long ways when it's really dark. I don't know about you, but God helping me today, I want to let my little light shine. 
all over Monroe. I don't want to hide it. I don't want to sit back through discouragement or dismay or weariness or confusion and just kind of cover it. No, by faith, I want to stand before the Lord and bear witness of his truth before this world anew. I want to shine again for Jesus Christ. The day will come when that opportunity will be passed for you and me. But it is here before us today. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to shine anew for the Lord? He sure wants us to. Because if you got a little light and I got a little light and all these little lights come together, all of a sudden that's a pretty big bright light in and of itself, right? With one mind and one mouth, we can bear witness to the truth of God in this local church and in this community for his glory. May it be so as we stand with our heads bowed. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.